today's world, our riders are true athletes. Back in my era, Parker, you know, we were a lot of talented guys that were hungry that raced a lot. Sure, we didn't go to the gym. We didn't ride a bicycle a thousand miles, you know, and do that wonderful venture you guys did. But we raced so much. That's how we kept in shape. Episode 40, TSP, Tank Slapping Podcast. Back at it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Got a big one tonight, Sammy. One I've wanted for a while, but I've been a little nervous to ask. You know, we've been, uh, I mean, not to pat ourselves on the back, but I hope those that have been listening have been enjoying, you know, these recent shows because you're right. We've been bringing it. We've been bringing it with some some solid, solid guests. I, I don't want to get too far into it, but yes, it should be an epic show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, our guest for tonight, <laughs> Steve Moorhead. Steve, the man, Finley Flyer Moorhead. Super excited to get him on. People know Steve is like the AFT track prep guy now, but legendary racer, phenomenal for so many years. Excited to get him on and just chat, bench race about his racing career, Sammy. Yeah, I mean, the guy um, has had a pretty extensive racing career. He, he spanned uh, a lot of different generations. I mean, the guy's raced in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, into the 2000s. I mean, he, I mean, technically, he rode everything from a Triumph to an Indian. I mean, I know the Indian wasn't on a national level, but he did ride an Indian last year at a at a one-off deal at, at George Roeder's race against Springer. So, I mean, not too many guys can say they rode the list of motorcycles that Steve Moorhead is, has, has ridden. So, pretty extensive list. Yeah, I'm excited to, to get him on and chat with him. But before we get too far into it, we want to make sure we shout out our sponsors and make this show happen week in and week out. Bell Power Sports. All three champions from the American Flat Track Series wore the Bell Race Star Flex last season. Check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Also want to give a shout-out to Jerry Stinchfield of Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience, commercialroofsystems.net. Want to shout-out one of our newest sponsors, DID Chains. They have been the driving force behind countless championships since 1933. Entrust DID quality chains in their winning tradition for your race program today. What drives you? Make sure you check them out on social media and thank them for supporting our show. And also AIM Sports Data. They are the worldwide leader in motorsports data acquisition, displays, and sensors. Many top teams in our series use the AIM Sports equipment, including myself and the G&G Racing Team on our Yamaha MT-07 race bikes. They make all kinds of products you can use on your dirt bike, race bike, dirt, road race, pavement, everything. Check your lap times. You can you know, pull a GPS screen of where you're running on the track, all kinds of stuff. I... I study the data hard at every race. Really like the product, and I'm stoked to get them involved in our show and, and get the word out. But make sure you check them out on Facebook at AIM Sportline and Instagram at AIM Sports Data. Sammy, anything else to chat about before we call Moorhead? I guess there's not a lot going on, really. I mean, you know, we're coming in the holiday season. Uh, as far as racing is concerned, I mean, last uh, MotoGP race of the year was last weekend in Portugal. And of all things, a guy from that country won his home country event. So that was pretty cool. Uh, also, you know, doing it on a KTM, that's that's big for the sport, too. So, uh 
that that was pretty cool to to see. I didn't get to watch much of it other than you know through social media. But um, yeah, so MotoGP wrapped up. Suzuki won that that world championship. Um, not sure what happened in Moto Two or Moto Three, but that that's what happened. Remy there. Gardner, Remy Gardner from Australia. Oh won no his way! First, he won the Moto Two race, so that was it's pretty rad to see a first time winner. I think that was his first win. I. Uh, I thought it was pretty crazy, man. Like we had Schwanzi on and, uh, you know, he was Suzuki MotoGP world champion. And then Mir won on a Suzuki again. I think it was Suzuki's first MotoGP championship since I think it was Kenny Roberts Jr. Sammy. It's been a long time for Suzuki, a long drought. Yeah. yeah kind of like that in Moto, Moto too, man. It's been a long time since probably since Ricky Carmichael's won a, yeah, flat track too, man. Jay, yeah, flat Suzuki. track is, man. Yes. I don't Suzuki. know, Suzuki. <laughs> they need to step up their game. I don't know what's going on. They need to get electric start on those bikes. But no, nah, it was cool to see them them uh, win a MotoGP championship, Suzuki. They're a very, very small company compared to some of the others, and that was, that was really cool to see. I want to give a shout-out, well, a personal plug for the Winter Throwdown. January 9th, 2021, Callahan, Florida, Callahan Speedway. We got lots of information coming daily on our social media pages. Make sure you check out Winter Throwdown on Facebook, Instagram. A lot of great sponsors involved. A lot of fast riders are coming down for the event. We have practice on Friday night from 6 to 9 p.m. It's 25 hours. You ride all night long. You get a ton of laps in. Well, you ride from six to nine, <laughs> not not all night. But you get a ton of laps in, and then yeah, our event is is on Saturday, and I'm I'm really you said excited. ride all night, bro. You said it. I heard you. You said <laughs> ride all night. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, you knew what I meant. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's an exciting event, and a little biased, but we we take a lot of pride in it, and it should be really good. The whole crew from Tank Slapping should be there. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. Uh, well, you know, even the man, uh, you know, uh, Carter, but he's going to be there. I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait, you know, especially in January when it just the year is at its for for me at its lowest point. Like what good thing happens in January? Nothing. Nothing. Winter Throwdown. Winter Throwdown. That's right. I'm I'm pumped up on it, man. I can't wait to get down there, get to Florida, get in some warmer weather, and uh, see some good racing. And I'm excited to be part of it. And um, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good this year. Yeah, we got Carter and Sammy doing our social stuff. We're going to have live pit walks, interviews, a lot of fun stuff coming social media. Just make sure you're there. A lot of exposure. Last year, there were some tempers. We loved it. Um, yes. No fists were thrown. I mean, you guys can fight, but I got to throw you out if you fight. So. Um, but no, that was interesting. Last year, Dalton Gauthier and Justin Jones were in some heated arguments that uh, went from the track to the pits. So that was interesting, to say the least. And they were shit-talking a little bit on social media a few days yeah, ago. Yeah, recently. I seen that pop back up. And uh, I think, you know, uh, old Jonesy, uh, posted a little something about you know uh his big win down there and i think dalton was uh you know signifying a rematch because i think he he, he uh, responded with a ding ding well he didn't win <laughs> brandon robinson smoked oh, no. him but yeah jonesy sorry, got yes. i think he got a third but still a podium i mean that was a it's a very stacked race and jones right. rode awesome uh that's right b rob <laughs> won it two years yeah. in a row right yeah he's won it both years so um 
Yeah, I don't know, Sammy. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have to race my own event and give B Rob a run for his money. Um I, I, I actually called in a ringer for this year, man. I, I think Briar's coming. I hope Briar's coming. Did you have to bust out the checkbook for that one or is that is pulling family strings now? Uh hopefully some family strings. <laughs> nice. I, I can't afford him now, dude. He is like <laughs> Briar, the champ, the two-time champ Bauman. He's not just Briar Bauman anymore. He's the two-time champ. So it's, I got to call his agent to even talk to the guy. But, yeah, it should be good. Sammy Halberts, I think, is going to ride his Indian. Jerry Meese usually comes. Cool Beth usually shows up. Um, ben Lau I've talked to. Gautier. Oh, shit, man. Verspoli. Dallas Daniels. Oh, nice. Yeah, got all three champions, hopefully, from this year coming. So, Ooh. anyway, enough winter throwdown. Yep. Make sure you're there. Uh, you don't want to miss it. I think that's pretty much all we got, man. I, I want to call Moorhead and get this going. Uh, Carter, give the Finley Flyer a call for me. Yes, sir. Hello. Hey, Steve, Corey Texter, Sammy Sabedra. How the hell you doing, man? I'm doing great, guys. How's yourself tonight? Uh, we're doing well, Sammy. Doing good too. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, it's always good times when uh, you know you get to talk to to motorcycle racers about who knows what. But I can't wait to find out whatever uh, it is we are going to talk about. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Steve. We appreciate you taking the time. I just wanted to uh, bring you on and talk about your career a little bit, man. Just bench race a little. A lot of accomplishments. A lot of success over a long career. We'll get right into it. You know, back in the day, your amateur career, I don't know a heck of a lot about it. I know you had, I think you had some sponsorships with Bull Taco and Kawasaki. You know, you, you started racing, I think, a little bit later than most from what I've read. And then you, it took off quick for you. So talk about how that transpired and, and what your amateur career was like. Well, Corey, actually, I, started, I learned how to ride a motorcycle at eight years old. And back then... You know, we didn't have mini bikes unless you built one in shop class. But I had a 100cc Hodak I started out on. We just took the seat off it and put a little pad on a board. And I'd ride around the backyard till it was dinner time after school. And then the dew would come in, the grass would get wet. I'd fall down and it was time to go in and eat dinner. So, <laughs> but, uh, actually, you know, I started racing, you know, amateur, you know, at 10 years old and rode my Hodaka and we had great, uh, a lot of, you know, the motorcycle industry was wide open as far as dealer support. And, you know, at one time, I think we had 18 different riders out of the Finley, Ohio, that, that would go to all these amateur scrambles events, you know, around our area. You had 18 riders out of Finley itself, you said? Absolutely. We'd go, and, I mean, it was a kick-ass thing. They would win the 100 class, 125, 175, and 250. I mean, wow. we'd run uh, Greenville, Menda, Benden, Kenton. You know, just had our little, little scrambles tracks, and Galleon would short track race Friday and Saturday and go run a scrambles race on Sunday. Wow, you know, that's pretty impressive because for, for, you know, I'm talking to our listeners here, for those of you that don't know about Finley, Ohio, it's a real tiny town and uh i no, guess it's not tiny we're only <laughs> 50,000 people now come on oh man <laughs> that's still pretty <laughs> tiny i guess but you know it's out in the, it's out there man it, it, it's farm country you're surrounded by farm country out there so you know it's I, very very flat 
It's very flat out there. I, I guess you guys have grown quite a bit, maybe. But uh, yeah, so uh, that, I mean, that's still a lot of guys from. I don't care if you're in a city of a million. I mean, 18 guys from the same place. That's a lot of guys. I mean, you know, I, I know back when you were coming up. I mean, you know, a little later in your career, Steve. When back when there was a you know a three tier system to professional racing novice junior expert uh you were the top novice in the nation in 1972 which is uh an incredible feat considering the number of racers there were back then uh what was uh professional novice racing like back in 1972 what can you tell us a little bit about that 1972 year for you well, Corey had mentioned, you know, my amateur career, you know, coming up, you know, I had the idea, I had sponsorship through Bull Taco as well as Kawasaki and, you know, and it, and as I turned 16 and got my novice license, I started out on a DMROSA. It was kind of the bike of choice. And then you had the Bull Taco Persangs or Astros out there as well. So we were all, everything was going just fine. And then one weekend, Tom Cummings come down out of Flint, Michigan on a TD1C Yamaha twin and just spanked our butts. After that, I got a TD1C Yamaha twin, and then we took off and was on fire. I so bet I bet that thing sounded pretty fun. sweet. <laughs> oh, they screamed. I mean, they screamed, and they were fun to ride. Well, growing up, you had some siblings, and I heard your brother. You know, you don't, we don't hear much about um, you know the the other Moorheads that race, but I heard your brother was a really good racer. Um, I read that he really liked and did did well on the concrete indoor tracks, which is uh, yeah. I I had no clue. That's really that was pretty interesting when I read that. Yeah, it was. Uh, he won the, like the national overall title on the indoor concrete short tracks and did well, and then just kind of got away from the sport. Yeah, yeah, you see that happen sometimes. Guys just kind of lose interest. I mean, or, or or their life takes them down different paths or whatever. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. And moving on, kind of to your professional career. I mean, you had a 26-year professional career. Man, it seemed like you got stronger the more you raced, which is incredible. I mean, I think I read you podiumed your first. It was in 1976 in Columbus. Was your first podium. And then 20 years later, you were battling for a championship. So um, <laughs> it's it's remarkable to me. I mean, I'm getting a little bit older, and I just I I find it just amazing. Guys that get stronger, it's motivate it's motivating for people that are getting older. Like, you know, you kept getting better and better and better. And at 38, 39, 40 years old, you were still winning races, which is uh, is incredible. But let's kind of fast forward back to when you started your GNC career. I want to talk about your first win a little bit. I, I read it was in Pennsylvania, right? I mean, what do you remember about that first about that first win? Yeah, it was at the Meadowlands there in Pennsylvania. It was a five-eighth mile limestone racetrack, and I started riding for for Doug Sell out of Canada. And as soon as we got hooked up, you know, we went out and we won won the Meadowlands. The next week, we ran second at Syracuse. We went out to San Jose. We ran second out there and really you know had a, had a good strong run at the end of the year which actually you know turned into my factory harley ride in 1979 for for the great results i had riding doug sells motorcycle you, you know what always surprised me steve i mean and probably didn't surprise yourself but it was a surprise to me here comes a guy from ohio uh you know the mecca of pea gravel half miles but 
you know, you, you seem to adapt pretty well to the car style, you know, slippery clay, you know, tracks. I mean, uh, was that something, you know, some guys, you know, can never make that transition too well or, or it takes them forever to do it. You know, uh, you were kind of a, you know, a half mile specialist and, and you seem to, you know, to, to, you know, ride those tracks with ease. Was that something that was a, a big hurdle for you or did, or did that just come natural? No, it, it's, it's where we grew up, you know, and, you know, that's what was different back in the day for myself growing up as well as Springsteen Parker and everybody, you know, around the Ohio, Michigan area. I mean, my gosh, we could race Tuesday night in Granite City, Wednesday in Santa Fe, short track Friday in Flint, and ride an Ohio skittery half mile Saturday and Sunday. So, we, you know, we're always racing, you know, sharpening our skills. I think that's what made the difference, you know, back then versus the way, you know, racing is today. You know, we was racing all the time. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think the kids coming up now, the ones who are racing every single weekend, they're not taking, you know, vacations to the beach. They're they're grinding it out at a racetrack across the country. I really think it pays dividends with uh, guys like Dalton Gautier, Dallas Daniels. I remember seeing those kids all over the country, which is, uh, you know, uh, it says a lot about their families and their how bad they wanted it, you know. But, yeah, for you guys, you guys race so much. And, you know, kind of my question is, you know, throughout the years, as you know, as you got older, like I mentioned, you, you, you got faster and you finished, you know, remarkable. Like 1994, you finished third in the standings behind Parker and Carr. Did you get faster throughout the years? More? Did you have more experience, more confidence, better equipment? Like what made you a, a better, you know, better racer every year you went out there? <laughs> I was hungry, Corey. <laughs> yeah. Well, determination uh, you know. does a lot. <laughs> Well, it does. And, you know, I was, you know, got into the point where after a certain period of time, I owned my own motorcycles and just surrounded myself with really, really great people my whole career, you know, that got behind me. And, you know, the I won, yeah, 23 nationals, but I did it with 10 different tuners. Wow. You know, who can who can say that? 10 different tuners, uh, you know, I won nationals for. And when you race for a guy like Hank Scott, Doug Sell, people that has raced themselves mert lawwell for a perfect example i mean it's a perfect uh situation i come in and whether it's hank mert or doug you know the, what's the bike doing i can explain it's pushing or it's doing this oh yeah they know what that is so the relationship you build with your tuner or mechanic that has had racing experience themselves i think makes a world of difference I have to agree with you a hundred percent with, uh, you know, with, with what you just said there. And, and, you know, when, when people think of your career, uh, you know, right before the show started, uh, before you came on air, we talked about your career spanned a, a lot of different motorcycles. I mean, you, you kind of started, uh, you know, your big bike career, you, you were riding triumphs and, uh, you know, uh, obviously when everybody thinks of Steve Moorhead, they automatically probably associate you with an XR 750, a very iconic motorcycle of the sport. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask you, do you remember your, your your first time riding an XR and what it was like and where it was at and how it all went? <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you, I wasn't very good at it. It wasn't pretty. No, I started out, you know, on on my Triumph and, and doing well with Bill Kennedy racing local around Ohio again every weekend. And then I got a chance to race for the Vista Sheen team 
um, with alongside Jay Springsteen was a junior, and I was an expert. I was riding one of their Harley Davids. Well, we came over to uh, it was over east around around Maryland, and I was riding that thing, and I was really struggling, and I was coming off turn two, and I couldn't get that motorcycle to turn for the life of me. So coming off the corner, I got upside. Yeah, I couldn't turn the bike, and I went right into the outside fence post coming off turn two and clipped my foot on the outside, you know, big old round post sitting there and squished my foot, blew a hole in the bottom of my foot, and I broke it. And that was, like, pretty much one of my first experiences trying to ride an XR, and, yeah, I struggled with it dearly. And, and <laughs> thank God, Gary Nixon, he took me home that day and didn't know me from Adam, and, I, you know, I spent a few days – at his house after I got out of the hospital to the racing family came back east again, could pick me up, bring me home. (laughs) Uh, Were you able to parlay that into your, uh, your sponsorship with, with, I believe you're sponsored by an ambulance company at one point in your career. Is that right? Is that how? uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, out of Columbus, Ohio. Yeah. You're you're right. No, they was on board with me when I got with Doug Sell. The first year in uh, 1978, but yeah, honestly, that was my first experience riding a Harley, and I thought, man, I don't like this bike at all. It's, I mean, I just did just doesn't fit me. And back then, you know, they didn't kind of like the stock XR frames before they start uh, things on the bikes to get them to turn corners. So yeah, my first outing was kind of rough, and then my second outing really to give me a shot was uh, probably one of my idols, Corky Keener was uh always took a liking to me and i followed him enough around the state of ohio on my triumph and that mr dirt at the time was winning every non-national i think out there to be had gave me the opportunity to ride one of his spare xrs at louisville downs well he won the race my kid got second and i got third on one of his factory harleys and after that i thought well this harley thing maybe is not such a bad thing (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) Yeah, we talked about some of your sponsors. I wanted to kind of touch upon that. You know, for the majority of your career, you pretty much kept the same sponsors, KK Motorcycle Supply, FNS Harley. Um, You know, how did you manage that relationship with those guys for so long? And what advice do you have for some of the younger racers on keeping a good relationship with their sponsors? Well, you know, and don't forget John Shepard, John DeGoo. John Shepard has got uh, Shepard Chemical Company. In Cincinnati, John DeGruy was out of Columbus and Commercial Realist stood in. And honestly, these gentlemen stood in line to buy one of my T-shirts. And at the end of the night, they handed me a business card and said, Steve, if there's anything we can ever do to help your racing career, you know, we like the way you handle yourself. And, you know, we'd like to come and see if we couldn't help you out somehow. And with both them gentlemen, you know, to this day, we're still great friends. And I talk to John Shepard once a week. Just, just to stay in touch. It was a great friendship we had along the way. And with KK Motorcycle Supply, um, they're di- being a distributor out of Dayton, Ohio. Well, it was just like a no-brainer. I met J.R. Kelly and his son, Pat, and his daughter, Denise Kelly, back when I was amateur racing, you know, at the age of 10, 12 years old. They, you know, they were competing on the amateur level, and, you know, we just kind of grew up together, and J.R. started out, well, you know, maybe I can help you out and buy you a tire or two. And that turned into a relationship that lasted my whole career. And I cannot thank them people enough for as long as they've been behind me. But you talk about, you know, 
you got to take care of the people that take care of you, Corey. And I, I, you know that as well as anybody and do a great job. And, and it's, it's just you know, the relationship you make on and off the track and you never know who's in the background listening or watching what you do on your, on your actions. So I, I mean, that's what pretty much got me through my career was all the great people that stood behind me. Yeah, man. And, and yeah, I got to say, uh, nothing makes a racer, uh, you know, with the light bulbs flash in a racer mind, uh, in a racer's mind, like when somebody hands him a business card. So, uh, kudos to you for, you know, taking those, uh, business cards and, and turn it in, into something that was, uh, you know, something much more than a sponsorship. Uh, like you said, a, a friendship, you still talk to those guys on a weekly basis. Uh, I, I know coming up, you know, during your time, uh, a, a lot of racers, you talked about some of the non-national events would do a little bit of road racing. Is that correct? Yeah, that was another thing I wasn't very good at. But, we, you know, we give it, <laughs> usually when I, when I drug my knee, I drug my ass. <laughs> so but no we tried it and it, it was a it was it was a lot of fun uh you know jim france had thought well you know we got to get the dirt trackers back into road racing so he started you know up a super trackers type of program down there to where so he'd give you know give us a little financial help and to go out and lease a motorcycle and come and run the daytona 200 so that was, I mean, that was always kind of fun with Springsteen, Rodney Ferris, and myself. And, you know, I can't remember a few of the other guys, but then anyhow, it ended up getting me a TZ750 Yamaha that oh, I had too. in uh, 1978. Rode one of those things at Daytona. But that was wild. <laughs> well, it was. We ran seventh on the white flag lap, broke a rod going into turn one. So that was disheartening. But, uh, you know, I did all right, you know, riding that, riding that particular bike. But when I got on, you know, some of the modern-day Suzukis, I mean, I'd, the front end pushed, I was on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, But the TC was a lot of fun to ride. I grew up at the flat track races during the Camel Pro days, you know, the Parker, Graham, Will Davis, Chris Carr, yourself. Um, man, I that was – I was there every weekend for a long time, and you guys were my idols. And I kind of just want to talk about those days a little bit. Um, who was your toughest? Who was the toughest? I mean, all of them, I guess, is the right answer. But who did you enjoy racing with the most, I guess, during those the early 90s? And there was there anybody, any rival that you kind of went head-to-head with um, a little bit during those days? Like, I, don't, I don't know any you know, rivals for Steve Moorhead besides everybody. You put it right there. Uh, <laughs> Scott, you know, Scotty Parker's the best in my mind and uh, probably the most, the cleanest, hardest, hard, hardest charging rider I think I ever competed against. But as far as a rival, I mean, Joe Roder, I love the guy to death. But, you know, we had a great rival just around the state of Ohio. But, you know, out on the circuit, you know, Ricky Graham was a very, very talented rider for a few years. But Scott Parker was the best his entire career. That guy was good. He was a clean rider and, you know, nine grand, nine championships, you know, that's, that's the writing on the wall right there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, not to jump around too much and, and I know we're a two wheel motorcycle show, uh, but you kind of had another 
racing career for a little bit. I, I think in the mid to late eighties. Uh, and, uh, you, you know, Corey has a little bit of a tie. His grandfather is, uh, you know, a, a legend here in PA and actually, I believe, in the Hall of Fame for, for driving sprint cars. Mm-hmm. I drove sprint cars a little bit, but Steve Moorhead also drove sprint cars. Uh, I remember going to the races as a little kid and I was seeing a Steve Moorhead shirt and it was a sprint car shirt. And I was like, what? A sprint car shirt? <laughs> Steve Moorhead? What? <laughs> What's this all yeah. about? So, yeah, I mean, how did, uh, you know, how how'd you make? You did both at the same time. How'd you get into that? And how, how was that? And, you know, how, how'd you, how'd you do in it? Well, I actually, you know, a local, I got a local ride here and here out of my hometown of Finley. The guy said, well, you know, I got this car. Let's you, let's you go out and drive it. And, you know, I'd run the car on Friday night and okay, I got to go race my bike Saturday and Sunday. And they kind of continued like that. I said, okay, I'm off Saturday. Let's try it Saturday. And, that worked out for about a year, and then I just got involved. And I well, shit, I get you know, I nobody's going to let me drive the car because I'm not consistently home enough. So I built my own car and would run the thing. Then about the same scenario, run Attic, Ohio, on uh, Saturday nights or Friday nights in Fremont, Ohio, on Saturday, and I'd run off and run my bike, and then get home and run out here at Finley on Sunday. But, you know, the, the sprint car deal, I really think, enhanced my career when you talk about these stock car tracks. Because we'd go to a stock car track, and there'd be a hole, and you'd ride around it. Well, in my sprint car, I found out there's moisture in the bottom of that hole, so you drove <laughs> down through it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's crazy how it, you wouldn't think it would translate over, but it's like everything kind of all kinds. I mean, honestly, it sounds silly, but playing – playing certain video games like can kind of translate over to certain things or riding bicycles or whatever. Yeah. It's, that's kind of interesting. Um, we, we've talked about Ohio stuff quite a bit, you know, you're, you're Ohio racers. They're very proud racers and they take a lot of pride in where they're from. Who's kind of besides yourself, George Roeder, who's sort of the fastest guy from Ohio that we might've never heard of. Um, maybe somebody who never made it to the, the top level, but at a local event, they could really haul ass. Uh, Scott Drake, Jim Ziegler, Larry Dar, Ronnie Rawl. I mean, about anybody that threw a leg over a bike, you know, is Ricky Campbell. He did a great job, but they were just uh, Scott Drake. I, I grew up racing with him my whole amateur career. We come up through the others, junior and expert ranks, you know, running together. You know as well. So and you know Donnie Eastep, he had an awful lot of talent as well. And Larry Pagram, he's shown what he's able was able to do all throughout his whole career. Yeah, we got a couple more questions for you, and then we'll uh, do our last segment and let you go. But yeah, we really appreciate the time. And you know, I never really get to chat with you bench race too much because we're at the track, we're always running around busy. So this is uh, this is pretty cool. What is your What's your favorite Ohio track of all time? I mean, is there any any certain racetrack you enjoyed more than others? I mean, you've had a lot of success at at, at certain facilities, but what's what's the all time track for Steve Moorhead? Lima, Ohio, no doubt about it. I mean, if you can win Lima, you can win. You know, you're capable of winning anywhere. In my mind, you know, we was fortunate enough to win the national there three times. Two other times I was leading and had a mechanical failure and had, you know, so I could have had five wins at a racetrack 30 miles from my house. And that would have been pretty incredible. No, that's, that's amazing. That, that is after you won. I mean, I couldn't imagine 
well, first of all, I probably could, I couldn't imagine winning a national. I could, but you know, never done it. But what's it like winning a national, right? And then like driving 30 miles to go home. How do you go to sleep? <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you know, <don't>. like what? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you drive clear across the country. You know, it was, you know, for us, it was the big thing was, you know, we're, we're going all the way out to, you know, San Jose, Ascot, Sacramento, and run all those events out there. And, buddy, we're a long way from home, so you got to be on top of your game because I need <laughs> gas money to get back. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy, we've had when plenty of guests there, from that. Please. We've had a lot of guests from that era, the Camel Pro days, on our show. You know they partied after the, after the wins, man. They didn't. Yeah, you know, that's true. All the riders today, we go to bed, you know, we <laughs> eat a salad and go to bed early. These guys, they they went, they got after it. They went, they went out, man. They, well, they. I they heard about the Steve Moorhead parties that he would throw at his house every year. So yeah, yeah, maybe maybe you can uh, tell us a tale or two from uh, one of those events, Steve. Well, we always, I always, I mean, for shit, twenty years invited parker and you know you had chris carr would bring his motor home and back then you know everybody that raced you know that was headed back to michigan they always they knew they stopped here we just had a sunday uh, barbecue and it was more about the family and kit you know swimming in my pond and playing and we had 13 horses in the barn and you know so it was a kid's family day and it was, <laughs> it was just a wonderful great time you know it, it, should i had a picture you know of Car myself, um, uh, Joe Cop, and Parker, and all standing up there up, up by the diving board, you know. So that that was just a pretty neat thing for everybody to get together. And and like I said, it was a family deal. And then once I I retired and Parker retired, and then like shit, people started showing up my house. I didn't even know, so I had to pull the plug on it. <laughs> <laughs> After a while, like, well, who's these people? <laughs> you know, I don't even know them anymore. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I got one more question for you, and then we'll we'll go with our last segment. But are there any riders out there today? I mean, you're at every every race, you know. And are there any any guys out there who remind you of yourself a little bit, maybe with their, I don't know, demeanor, riding style, any anything like that? And any, anybody out there where you see a young Steve Moorhead? I see a lot of young Steve Moorheads out there. I tell you, you know, for the the people sitting back watching our sport. There is a lot, a lot of really talented young talent coming up, you know, through the pro singles class, you know, a lot of good hungry kids. And, you know, that's going to develop into the production twins and showcase their ability to ride a twin to move up to super twins. So I, I just think that the sport looks good. And, you know, I really don't have a favorite, at least I can't say, you know, my favorite racer quit naturally, but I, I just see a lot of, a lot of good things coming up as far as talented riders. And, you know, I just, you know, sure. I like Vanderker, Vanderker, Vanderkui. You know, I wish Vanderker was back racing. I thought that kid had an awful lot of talent. But Vanderkui, I mean, that that kid, he's he's a horse, you know, and he's going to be something to reckon with. He just, you know, he's got to get his niche figured out and get get on the right ride. And I think that kid's really going to go places. You were right, you Corey. Know, Corey though. Yeah, I rode I rode for your father and won four wow. times on his XR at non national events. What? My bike would break. My bike would break, and Randy would give me one of his spares, and I won all four races I ever rode on your dad's bike. I had no idea. I did not know that. Um, I, I know he helped out a lot of guys, but 
I didn't know Steve Moorhead was on that list, man. That's that's incredible. I love hearing stories like yeah. that. Four different yeah. times my bike, you know, had a hiccup, and Randy loaned me one of his, and I won every time on his bike. <laughs> and that, I, I really think I think he would have been my eleventh uh, national tuner <laughs> for winning that's, if I'd ever rode his bike at a national. <laughs> that's an amazing track record. Four four wins, yeah. man. That's that's awesome. Yeah, his dad's bike, but. <laughs> You know, speaking of something along those lines, I mean, you, you gave a, a legend of our sport his first national win in in a way when you uh, at Lima, Ohio, of all places, you let uh, Will Davis ride your your old XR, and, uh, and and he went out there and won the thing. Uh, that was a pretty incredible uh, moment. But for those that you know uh, that aren't aware of that story, how did all that take place, and how that how that happen? Well, it's. It... It was an easy decision to put Will on the motorcycle, that's for sure. But that particular time, I was riding for Skip Eakins on his Honda. And my bike, had, it, you know, it's shown that, you know, it's more than capable of winning a, winning a Lime, Ohio. And Gary Stolzenberg and myself sat down and we talked about it and said, hey, Will's the guy. And we put Will on that motorcycle. And I'll be damned, first time out, he went out, won the race, and I got fourth on a Honda. And he had a great race with Scott Parker. The following weekend, he rode it at Hagerstown, and he run second on it. So, but I mean, Will Davis was the best rider to never win the championship. Yeah, I mean, between you and Will, heck, you guys won most of the half miles. It seemed like in that era. I mean, I think you had, I think you had nineteen or twenty half mile wins, and Will had in the twenties, low twenties. Yeah, that, that's that's incredible. I didn't know that either, Sammy. Yeah, that's that's some really cool info. Um, man, I can mm-hmm. chat with you all day, Steve. There's just so much to talk about, but we do. Um, the last segment we do every week on our show is called the higher low line, and we kind of it's uh, this or that, pick one or the other, and maybe a brief explanation. But um, first one I got for you, you kind of mentioned it already. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm gonna add a three. I'm gonna add three on this one instead of two. So toughest competitor. Parker, Carr, or Graham? Parker. Perfect. Wow. All right. Okay. How about this one? We're we're gonna take it back to Ohio here, and uh, of course, I'm talking about um, you know vintage Ohio here. When I mentioned George Roder, uh, I'm talking George Roder Senior. Ronnie Raw or George Roder? God, that's a tough one, guys. That's the point. That's the point. <laughs> oh. Well, the, the reason I, you know, my career was steered towards professional motorcycle racing was because I went to Lyme, Ohio, and watched my first pro race, and George Roder was there. He won. His number was 94. My novice number went to 94F. Wow. Okay. Because wow. he, was, he was my instant hero. But Ronnie Rawl, he was, that guy was amazing as well. All righty. You got to pick a support class to ride. I think you rode both. I'm almost certain you've ridden both. But well, what are you going with? The 883 or the Super Tracker class? Uh, well, back in my day, it was Super, uh, yeah, Super Trackers. Yeah, I sucked on an 883, so I got to do the Super Tracker. <laughs> 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 uh, big old tanks, and we had stock tires. Yeah, just what never felt comfortable on one of those. You know, 883. I did have a couple of Super Trackers races. Yeah, you rode uh, that that uh, TL, right? Yeah, TL 1000. 
Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yeah. We talk about the 883 class a lot on here. Somehow it always comes up and it's like guys either absolutely loved them or hated them. There's like no in between with an 883. You know, it's like. Well, let's be real. The only one that actually loved it was Scott Stump. Everybody else said, ah, they yeah. were okay. <laughs> Scott yeah. liked you them, know, but. The fastest lap ever turned at the coin was Kenny Coolbeth on a TL 1000. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I can Those see that. Were fast. They were very fast. I, mm-hmm. I could definitely, I could definitely see that. Um, I got a. Uh, all right, this is just a goofy question, you know. It's just total goofy, but can to ask it anyway. You can only ride a motorcycle one more time, okay? And uh, your your options are you can ride a TT five hundred on a motocross track, or you get ten runs up the Widowmaker. On a full-blown hill climber. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'm going to suck at both of them, so my chances are probably better than making a widowmaker. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, all right, I'm going to throw one at you. More talented rider, and you've raced with both of them, and pretty pretty different errors. Kenny Roberts or Ricky Graham? You know, you can never take away from Ricky Graham's history and what he and Johnny Goat did. But, you know, then you look at Kenny Roberts, what, you know, he did on a Yamaha versus the Harley XR750, you know. Uh, can I take the zero on that one? <laughs> yeah, we don't have. No, we don't no, have rules. I mean, no. we're, we're doing our. Well, we're no, doing no. our job, Corey. We're making these hard. That's that's the point. Well, Perfect. Well, you are. You are. But look, look. I mean, Kenny's competing. You know, on a Yamaha, like Hank Scott did on the Shell. You know, the 650 Yamahas, and they punched them out to 750s with no flywheel weights, trying to ride these skittery ass racetracks. And when it was a little narrow groove, no flywheels, the bike stopped. Those guys were good. You know, but Kenny was a you know a natural you know he short track TT went half miles and miles you know to do it all. Ricky Graham he won the championship on Tex Peel private tune XR as a privateer. Then he got the Honda ride, which was the cream of the crop motorcycle, and had phenomenal years. So it's yeah yeah. I just think Kenny did you know the same with less to work with you know as far as the way the Yamahas worked. Versus, I can, you know, the I can respect that. I can respect that answer for sure. I, I got one more for you, Steve. And, uh, you know, since you mentioned the factory Honda being the cream of the crop at that time, uh, if we can go back to the Camel Pro days, uh, would you rather ride for factory Harley or factory Honda? Oh, well, back then, you know, I mean, before Honda got involved, it sure, it was all Harley. And now people complain, well, it's all Indians. Well, the difference is back when it was all Harleys, you sure you had a lot of dealer involvement. There was always 16 Harleys in the main event. But guess what? They were all different colors. You know, in my mind, what kind of car won the Indy 500? Hell, I don't know. It was the yellow. Did I see a great race? Yes, I did. So why do I care what the hell they're right? You know, and we lined up at Ascot Park in the 90s for a 16-rider main event, and all 16 guys won nationals, and over half of them won the national that year. So who in the hell do you bet on? 
It's all about the competition. You know, it's more, more to me than the brain that they're riding. Did I see a good race? Yes, I did. What color was it? I don't know. It was a yellow bike, and they didn't all look alike. <laughs> I love, I love that. that answer. Yeah, I love, I love that. Well, you, you you did mention something I just want to bring up before I let you go, but the competition level was what you just mentioned. And I kind of, you know, it gets talked about a lot, and I just want to ask you, you know, you've you raced in so many eras, and now you get to see, you know, um, you know, you go to every race currently. So, like the level of guys, you know, the Jared Meese, the Briar Bowmans, how do you, how do they stack up talent level to the the Scott Parkers and the Chris Cars? I mean, do you see do you see a big drop off? You know, do you think it'd be? You know, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, those guys, in our, in today's world, our riders are true athletes. And, you know, back in my era, Parker, you know, we were a lot of talented guys that were hungry that raced a lot. Sure, we didn't go to the gym. We didn't ride a bicycle a thousand miles, you know, and do that wonderful venture you guys did. But we raced so much. That's how we kept in shape. Was right. Because we raced so many times through the week. But uh, we got true athletes. And that's why I, you know, mentioned a while ago, I mean, the talent pool coming up and the, you know, these kids are training now. They, you know, they're watching what they eat. They, I mean, it's just, it's just the way the world changed. It's, you know, our world's different today than it was back in our day. And, you know, the, the motorcycle, the, the racing is so different. You know, you guys stand on the brake coming off the corner to hook the damn thing up. You got rev eliminators going bop, 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 doing all this shit. Well, you know, if we had more throttle control. We didn't stand on the brake to hook it up. We used our wrist. <laughs> uh, I love it. No, that dude, I could have you on for hours just to talk about something. Just like the... Just the descriptions. I, I love it, man. There's a lot of good insight, Steve. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward. And I just want to say we appreciate all you do for, for the current, you know, what you do for the sport right now and all the hard work you put in. And uh, I just want to say we, we appreciate it. And um, in addition to coming on the show, man, really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Corey. You know, you know, I appreciate it, too. And, you know, like I said, I, I raced for 26 years. I've been doing this 20 years. I've never left the racetrack. You know, so my whole entire life, you know, I, you know, didn't like I took any time off from the sport. I got right back on the horse and started when I quit racing in 99. Well, in 2000, Will Davis, you know, he pretty much demanded to, told Scott Hollingsworth, you know, he needed to hire me, bring him on board. So we had kind of a rider inside, in the in-house, you know, that we could relate to. And uh, Will got me that job and I haven't left it since. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I wonder how many races Steve Moorhead has been to. Like, how many races is, you know, it's got to be, I mean, astronomical. Oh, I know we figured up what we had for 26 years of racing. Now we have what we've done the last 20 years of racing, and I'm still there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we love it, man. I, I, I got a kick out of seeing you. Uh, I, I went to check the track one of the later races this year. Somebody was hauling ass in the talent. I'm like, who the hell is in the talent right now? And they're like, oh, it's Moorhead. I was like, all right, that explains it. Like, I was getting nervous not knowing who the hell was setting track records in the talent until they until they said you were out there. But yeah, I I love chatting with you at the track, man. It's it's always good to get some honest, no bullshit, you know, input. And you've helped me out a lot with certain aspects of my racing. And uh, yeah, I just appreciate you. And thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Uh, thanks. We appreciate your time. Thanks. All right, Corey and Sammy, thank you guys very much. And, Corey, you're still the best whole shot artist out there.
<laughs> Thanks, Steve. <laughs> I appreciate that. Coming from you, man, I, that means a lot, man. I'll uh, I'll see you soon, hopefully. A couple months, man. Thanks again. All right, you guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah you too, Steve. Later. Man, what a show, man. Who knew Finley, Ohio was a was a big city? I was just there last weekend. I thought, man, this place is tiny. <laughs> uh, I was yeah. there last weekend. <laughs> man, that, that guy is just – he just not mess around. Like, there's no bullshit with Steve. Like, he'll, he'll tell you. He'll tell you how he feels. He doesn't – he won't sugarcoat anything. You'll get your honest opinion. And I'd rather ha- – and that's honestly why – man, me and Steve, we've, we've gone back and forth a few times, but – I think we both respect one another because we say it how it is. You know, when it's uh, it's one of those things, man. I when I go to Steve and I have a question, he's gonna give me his exact thoughts. He's not gonna sugarcoat it, and I, I have a lot of respect for guys like that. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I know at the races sometimes uh, things could get fairly heated in the moment, and you know, uh, I had an incident one time a long time ago at, at a national, and. Uh, I bailed off a couple times by surprise, right? <laughs> but anyway, I bailed off a couple times in the same night, and Steve's like, that's it, Sammy, you're done for the night. And I was like, that last one wasn't even my fault. <laughs> I'm like, somebody knocked me off, man. And, and, and somebody came up there like, yeah, somebody did knock Sammy off. He's like, shit, all right, all right, all right. Are you good? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. He's like, all right, get back up there. <laughs> We've all had the Uncle Steve talk, man. Like, I was a rookie, and I remember I, I jumped the start, and I was pissed, and I did a burnout, and Steve, Steve <laughs> let me have it, man. And, yeah, we've all had the Uncle Steve talk. But, dude, he really cares about the sport. Like, he he has a lot of passion, and and it just – he really cares, man. He really does. And I, I don't know. It, it's just a remarkable guy with so much, so much history in the sport. We didn't talk about it, but he's the second oldest rider to win a Grand National. At 43 years old, he won Las Vegas, which is a shithole, by the way. In 1998, he won it at 43 years old. Um, he's the second youngest because Springsteen was four days older when he won the Springfield Mile in 2000. Imagine not being the oldest rider by four days, Sammy. I oh, just thought he that was it by four days. Damn. Yes, yeah, he was the oldest in 1998 when he won, and then his buddy Springer, four days or <laughs> showed four him days up. Older, a Springer years man later. showed him up. <laughs> yeah. To be oh, fair, no. to be fair, Moorhead won a shithole at 43 years old Vegas, which is, I've raced there. Sammy, were you there in 2007? Yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> they canceled the race. It was so rough. We had yeah. we couldn't race. Oh, and, it was uh, terrible. Well, yeah. you know how bad it was. Just to give people an example, the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars had a race there the weekend before, and they didn't run because it was too rough for the cars. Then we showed up. And uh, the only guy pissed about it was uh, Roder. George Roder, baby. <laughs> yeah. George, George was ready to rip. I'll never forget, dude, when they canceled <laughs> it at the riders' meeting. Roder, we're all kind of relieved a little bit. And Roder's like, bunch of fucking women. He's like, no money? You're not paying out money? He's like, I thought Tucson was dangerous last week. This track's fine. <laughs> I was like a rookie. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, uh, I remember that. That was funny, man. I was glad walking off that track down that ramp. I was like, whoo, we're in well, Vegas. I, <laughs> I had a shot to win the it. championship. I was only eight points, I think, behind um, You know, with the final race. That, that was my, my, rookie, my rookie twinge year. 
in the first race of the year, I got lapped. I had a broken ankle and I could barely even put weight on my, my ankle. Yeah. And, uh, I, remember I got, I got lapped at Joliet. Everybody lapped me. That's how slow I was. And I came back and I think I had like five or six podiums. I won Tucson that week before yeah, and then did. going into Vegas, I had a legit shot to win the championship. And then it, uh, it got canceled because the track was too rough, but um, I had a hell of a week in Vegas leading up to that. That was my first real Vegas Vegas experience. Uh, I wasn't 21, <laughs> but I got to go exploring quite a bit, and it was yeah. A good time. yeah. I was uh, I had a sh- I missed a couple races because I I broke some ribs or I forget may- I forget what race or two I m- maybe I missed one or two I forget because I broke ribs and then um, I had a chance at I think like getting into third in points, but. I ended up fifth because, you know, Vegas never happened, but I wasn't, I didn't care at all. I was like, sweet. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. to get out of here, man. I, I'd rather walk away. <laughs> that, yeah. that, was, that was wild. Yeah. No, I, I don't, I don't know if there's any, we talked about a little bit of stuff in our intro, but not a heck of a lot coming, coming through the flat track world right now. Uh, we have the tire test coming up. We're testing the Dunlop tires. That's in a couple of weeks, but, um, that's, uh, it's a, a private test at Volusia and we're going to be testing, uh, some new tires and stuff, getting ready for the 2021 season. So I don't, I don't know how much of that I can even share, but that's what we're doing <laughs> in a couple of weeks. So we're going <laughs> to a little bit of tire testing. So that'll be interesting. I'm sure people will see more of that as we get closer. Cause I think they're going to do video and lap times and all kinds of shit from what I hear. So, so yeah. that's, that's coming up. I got, uh, Mike Butler did my did my steel shoe. I'm really hard on on my shoes, Sammy and Mike Butler. He's been helping me try to try to put something together that can withstand the CTEX riding style, and he's done a phenomenal job. So I want to give a, give a shout out to Mike Butler Racing for for helping me out with my steel shoe problems, and um, just it's been awesome to work with him. But yeah, so just excited for that man. Just 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 want to get back to racing, dude. I thought the off season would have been rad and just it's driving me insane dude it's i'd rather just be racing every weekend it's less stressful racing and just doing that than planning to race next year well you know what i've I just got to say you know i was like looking forward to the end of the year in the sense because you know as we all know the last you know eight nationals was kind of a grind right it was like you know double header double header double header and it's like oh man you know end of season i can get back to you know uh some home life and kind of you know relax a little bit but it's been non-stop for me man you know it's it's been crazy i'm like i think uh i think this weekend of course it's you know holidays coming up but i think this weekend i can finally go like all right now i got nothing to do and i'm really looking forward to it <laughs> so uh yeah that's all i got Corey. you, you got anything else I just made me think it was so funny when Moorhead called Vander Vanderkoy Vanderkooey because <laughs> I used to call him the same thing when I used to go to the races. His dad was racing. I would call him Vanderkooey Vanderkooey. I just thought that was that was hilarious. Oh Jerry, man, Jerry, Jerry was yeah. a wild animal in his day. <laughs> I lined up next to Jerry a few quite a few times. Yep, <laughs> dude. Back in the day, there was. Uh, a dozen Vanderkoys, man, just they were scattered all over the place, just everywhere. And uh, I've only gotten the race. I raced Jared and I've raced Kurt, Kurt Vanderkoy. <laughs> oh, I might have raced Brad or Brett, I think maybe once or twice as a pro sport, but a lot of Vanderkoys. Um, want to make sure we shout out our sponsors once again they make it happen for us week in and week out. Make sure you thank them on social media for keeping this podcast going and 
those guys, they, uh, they they make it happen for us. So Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. Hit them up on social media. And like I said, shoot them a thank you. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Shout out to Jerry Stinchfield for keeping everything going in flat track and making sure a lot of the riders have motorcycles to ride. I want to give a shout out to DID Chains. They have been the driving force behind Catalyst Championship since 1933. And trust DID quality chains in their winning tradition for your race program today. Also, a big shout-out to AIM Sports, the worldwide leader in motorsports data acquisition, displays, and sensors. Many top teams in the American Flat Track Series and other series around the globe use AIM, including myself and the G&G Racing Team, on our Yamaha MT-07 race bikes. Check them out on Facebook at AIM Sportline and Instagram at AIM Sports Data. Big show, man. Big show. Yeah, man, I thought uh, I thought it was a pretty good one. Uh, I love the high low with Moorhead. That was good. Yeah, I thought. I mean, he's you, for him the part the toughest competitor. Um, usually, you you know you hear Graham, you know, just the 1993 year. But Moorhead has a lot of respect for Scotty. Not that most guys don't, but that was. Um, I like to hear that insight, man. You you can kind of pick between the lines on some of these guys. They're they're pretty nice. Like they don't like to say who they didn't like racing with or who they enjoyed more. But um, I love hearing that the camaraderie that uh, you know he had Car Parker and Joe Cobb at his house, man, just chilling, just enjoying it. So like you said, man, sometimes at the races things get heated, but you get these guys away from the track, and they're a lot of fun. Um, you know, even even. Even the guys I battle with, man, you get a few beers in us. We uh, we like to get after it. So it's just cool to hear hear how that it's still the same thing now as it was back then. That was that was interesting. But no, that's all we got on the show. Make sure you hit us up, SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, subscribe, leave us your review. All that stuff helps us out a lot. We appreciate you guys. We'll catch up with you on the next show. We got a banger guest list coming up. So yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Maybe maybe uh, maybe you need to pick up a forty. Going back, to the, going back to the beginning of the show, you talk about drinking 40s. What about a 44? A... We got a 44 coming up in the next few episodes. A 44? We got a 44. Ah, dropping a little guest hint for the ah. for the for the uh, coming up. All right, dropping dropping it early. I didn't know about that one. I'm surprised. Cool. Yeah, little guest hint, little. I don't know. Maybe another single digit guy. Long time single digit guy. We might have to try and. Yeah. Give him a call. Ah, we're giving too many hints, but yeah, stay tuned, guys. We got a lot coming up. We'll, we'll see you next week. Peace. See ya. Word. That was a good one. Short, too. Well, yeah. how, how long was it? Um, Maybe an hour. It was about 45 minutes on the interview, but an hour for the episode, yeah. Not bad. Not bad. I dig. All right. But, <laughs> Sammy, did you see what I did on my Instagram, the, the video you game? Arrived, uh... No. When when did you? Uh, uh, I sprint? found my old PlayStation. I opened the thing up, and I the, the game wasn't in it, the sprint car game. I did see that. Oh. So that... I drove. I drove. <laughs> like an hour round trip to go get the game for in Ephrata today. Nice. So I, went, I bought it for 20 bucks. I come back. I hook up my PS2. I go to open it to put the game in. 
and it's it, it was in the console. <laughs> so now That's I have two. Cool. Oh I wait, you bought it and you had it already? Dude, I, I drove an hour to get it, to oh. buy it, come back, go to put it in, press the eject button, and the, look at my Instagram story. The disc I'm looking was at it right I did not now. see that. I, I saw that you that. had the new one that you bought it. I didn't I see I just checked my Instagram that. after the show, and I had like 18 people like send laughing faces. That's <laughs> hilarious. You just got 19 people because I just sent a laughing face too. So uh, good.